Hello and welcome to the Pixel Swim Podcast, episode 92. I am Steve Harnick, your host, and this is the podcast where I take a dive into my personal journey through design and technology and where they meet, plus other tidbits that I find interesting. This episode is being recorded and released on Thursday, November 7th, 2019. Visit pixelswim.com for all of the show notes and social links. If you want to follow along or leave any feedback, it's always appreciated. So yeah, again, that's pixelswim.com. With that said, let's dive into our weekly feedback notes and links from episode 91. We had a few few, uh, bits of feedback after the, or on MeWe, I should say. Thank you to Guillermo Ortiz, who reached out, and he, uh, talking about the static in the last episode again. Uh, Yeah, sorry about that, everybody. I've been trying to, you know, troubleshoot and figure out what's going on there. So hopefully this episode is static-free guess I'll find out when I edit it here. So either way, uh, thanks, Guillermo, for that. And then thanks to Frank Neathart, who reached out and said, uh, he says, so finally got through the episode. Sad that the battery is in, in that bad condition. He's talking about the uh, iPhone 6S that I have. Uh, he says his iPhone 7 has 84% battery state, no drops and sudden reboots. So it's manageable. And he said, yes, iPhone. He's returned or he says, I returned my third Galaxy S10e, and I won't get a new one. <laughs> so yeah, I think Frank's been having, uh, uh, he's been on and off with that Galaxy S10e, uh, from what I can tell in the past here. So he says, before you open up the iPhone 6s, I learned that on the Hugh Jeffries videos that it has some sort of waterproof ceiling, although not advertised by Apple. I guess you should buy a replacement for this as well. Good luck on changing the battery. I certainly will do as few smartphone repairs as possible. I recently changed the back glass of a Pixel 2, and it took me two hours and a lot of patience. It looks way easier on YouTube. A winky face. And he says, I don't know how far 16 gigabyte will get you. I'm referring to the storage on my uh, 6s. Uh, he says, but you will find that the iPhone 6s feels smoother than most of your other smartphones, even the Windows phones. So thanks, Frank, for that feedback. And yeah, I actually will get into the kit that I got for this from iFixit. I think I forgot to link that kit last time in the last episode uh, for the replacement battery kit for this 6s specifically. So Uh, It did come with that seal, but again, I'll get more into that in a little bit here. But as far as the smoothness that Frank is talking about uh, with iPhone, that's definitely something that I've noticed uh, compared to any other mobile OS that I've used is that the uh, is that iOS and even on the 4S that I have and on the 6S is very smooth, very uh, it's very well done (laughs) as far as the software goes, all the animations and uh, even with the little bit of lag that I see, it doesn't. It's not the same kind of lag that you feel on an Android or a Windows phone. Uh, it's very smooth, very uh, clearly, very well coded and very well designed. Uh, I've, I've played with iOS in the past on some lower end devices back when you know iOS was still in the iPhone four days and. I don't really remember much about the interface at that point. Uh, all I knew is that that uh, was, you know, the Android phones at the time were very <laughs> laggy and, uh, you know, it was all before Project Butter or whatever. So, it, uh, again, not much experience with iOS, but from what I've seen so far, you can definitely confirm what Frank is saying, that it is a very smooth experience on the software side. So, uh, very nice there. Uh, it's just kind of a, 
yeah, it's it's nice. There's no doubt about it. So thanks, Frank, for reaching out. And then uh, Kurt Kaufman, Court, I think maybe is his name, is uh, had a conversation with Frank about why Frank got rid of his S10e for the third time. So uh, and Frank said he just uh, there was nothing in particular about that. But uh, thanks everybody for leaving feedback on episode ninety one. And yeah, again, uh, everybody can head over to pixelswim.com if you want to figure out how to or where to leave feedback for this episode. But either way, let's move on in our notes. And moving on in our notes means starting up this week's LG G6 Weekly Report. Welcome to the LG G6 Weekly Report. All right, so this week, uh, sadly, <laughs> yeah, I switched back to the Moto X4. Uh, last week, I was talking about the phone heating up in the screen, uh, the uh, pixels under the screen kind of turning purple a little bit. Uh, not anything major, but definitely noticeable, and just overall not uh, very happy with the LG G6 right now, so I did put my SIM card back in the Moto X4. Uh, the G6 really at this point is kind of on its last legs for me, uh, for me in particular. I know there's, I think I've seen on Twitter a few people getting an LG G6 as of late, uh, and it's still a great device. I think just this particular one that I have is kind of uh, run its course. So I, I think that it's, I'm just uh, done with that, potentially done with it for now. I know I said I was going to try and make it to the end of the year. Uh, but I just don't really see that happening at this point. Uh, and it is kind of sad because there are a lot of things that I prefer about the LG G6, specifically the camera, which I've talked a lot about in the past. Compared to this Moto X4, it's not, a, it's not you know, the, the LG G6 takes, takes the, uh, the prize there as far as which camera is better, which is probably pretty obvious, uh, an obvious thing to say. But... Uh, earlier today, I was actually posting our old Galaxy Tab A 8.0 T-Mobile version. <laughs> so that's the old tablet that my wife used to use. Um, again, not the greatest tablet, but either way, I was trying to pull off the IMEI number off the back of it because I had factory reset it already, and so I didn't want to have to go through the uh, setup and skip everything just to have to reset it again just to pull it from software. So it does have it printed on the back of the device, but it's so tiny the uh, text on there and usually what I do in this case is I, I couldn't read it with my eyeballs so uh, and I actually funny enough have a magnifying glass and I still couldn't read it it's an old magnifying glass but either way uh, so what I do in those occasions sometimes is I'll just take a nice you know macro shot with the phone or whatever phone I have so I was trying to do it with the Moto X4 and it just wasn't working. It just couldn't focus close enough to be able to read the IMEI number off the back of the tablet. And so I just busted out the LG G6 and turned it on just to take a picture of the IMEI number. And I was able to, it, was, it worked. It worked the first time. So that's uh, <laughs> something to keep in mind for a future phone search, which I'll get into in a little bit here. So, but uh, it was, it, like I said, it's going to be, uh, the Moto X4 camera is definitely serviceable, but compared to the LG G6, it's just not uh, not up to par, uh, especially in a situation like that where I'm using the camera more as a tool than anything, and, uh, and I'm just, just glad to have the G6 still on hand for that. But either way, yeah, the, the SIM card is in the Moto X4, so who knows how much longer this LG G6 weekly report will last, uh, but I am looking for a new device. 
outside of these two, uh, but I'll have more on that in a little bit in the show here. But uh, for now, that's this week's LG G6 weekly report. All right, so the next bit in my notes here is I do want to go over an update on my iPhone situation. Uh, it seems to be a multi-week saga here ever since I got them, but uh, the iPhone 4S I'm still kind of haven't really done much with uh, as of late. Uh, mostly because I've been focusing on the iPhone 6S, which I, I've been trying to get up and running and, and set up as my own. And uh, officially I did last week, and if, uh, you might remember that I said the battery was uh, kind of needed to be replaced because it was running very poorly. <laughs> the, show, the phone was shutting down, rebooting, uh, that type of thing, battery percentage dropping and all that stuff. And I know the battery in there is, is the, it was the original, so... Uh, I did order in the iFixit battery kit, which I will actually link this time in the show notes. Uh, and I'm referring to that seal that Frank is talking about. Yeah, it comes with that seal. So everything that comes in this iPhone 6S battery replacement kit uh, from iFixit is uh, perfect. It's everything you need to, to make the repair. Uh, so everything that comes with it, again, I paid, I think... $37 or something like that total that's uh, shipped out the door. Uh, but either way, the kit uh, includes a, the replacement battery, <laughs> obviously. Uh, comes with the iPhone 6S display assembly adhesive, and that's what Frank was referring to. kind of goes around the outside of the frame. Uh, it's a little bit of a water protection thing. It comes with a spudger, a suction handle or suction cup, uh, tweezers, and uh, an iFixit opening tool, or I should say that, that the iFixit opening tool is, it's just the little plastic pry tool. Uh, comes with replacement Phillips bottom screws. I'll get to that in a sec. It comes with a precision bit driver, and it comes with four millimeter precision bits with uh, the Phillips head, uh, the pentalobe, and a tri-point bit for uh, for the, the screwdriver handle that it comes with. So, uh, yeah, again, the, the, I think the coolest thing and the most interesting thing about this kit that you get from iFixit is the replacement Phillips bottom screws. So if you're not, if you haven't taken an iPhone apart or if, or if you haven't watched that process, uh, it starts with taking out two pentalobe screws out of the bottom of the iPhone, very tiny screws. And those pentalobe screws are proprietary. Uh, now these days you can get, you know, um, there's a million different screwdrivers and that you can buy for very cheap to remove those screws, but they didn't always used to be that way. So in the kit from iFixit, they, they, uh, sort of tape a couple of replacement Phillips head screws for those screws. Um, they kind of call it the liberation kit. <laughs> so basically you're putting on a more standardized screw into those, uh, screw holes where the pentalobe screws were. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, it doesn't, I mean, it, it's a really cool idea. I love the idea of making it more repairable in the future, uh, with, by putting those Phillips head screws in there. But it's kind of a moot point, I think, after you purchase this kit, uh, mostly because it comes with the pentalobe screwdriver, uh, that you'll have, you know, from there on out. Uh, not, uh, I like, like I said, the idea is really nice and I did, uh, replace those screws on the bottom with the Phillips head screws. So, 
very very cool of iFixit to include that in this kit but like I said I don't know how much of a difference it makes uh, considering that you had to buy the kit with the pentalobe screwdriver but either way the kit overall is very nice the tweezers that come with it are super nice something I really am glad to have on hand now they're they're uh, I would call them precision tweezers you see them a lot in video uh, repair videos the the tweezers are really nice and overall the kit is very like I said it includes everything you need uh, I was able to open up the phone pretty easily uh, without having to use any heat I'm guessing the old adhesive on there was actually uh, pretty old as far as uh, it wasn't as strong as it usually used to be so the, the screen kind of came up fairly easily um, the funny thing is is that I did actually use start to use uh, playing cards to help get under the adhesive and then slide some picks in there and, and cut up the adhesive around the edge and so the phone opened up nice and easy obviously after taking those two pentalobe screws out and then uh, everything else came out I just followed the guide on iFixit uh, for how to replace the battery or at least pull the battery out and uh, yeah it was the guide worked well there's lots of good notes in there uh, things you know little tips here and there so you don't break anything any cables because there are three three ribbon cables that go to the display that if you're not careful you can might break those so I uh, definitely if you're gonna do this I suggest reading through the through the breakdown or the uh, the instructions first so you kinda get a, a good idea of what you're doing so it was easy like I said easy enough to to get the phone open and get everything disconnected and uh, and then easy to pull out those the uh, battery strip adhesive tabs, <laughs> which you, uh, if you've ever watched uh, tear down or somebody replacing the battery, the, basically the adhesive on the bottom of the battery in the iPhone, you basically it's like a pull tab, and you can pull it out. And I swear you pull about two or three feet. <laughs> well, it's not really that long, about two feet in this case, and it came out real easy. The battery popped right out. Uh, the old battery itself. Uh, you, I could, you know, kind of immediately tell that it, uh, you know, this, it was a bad battery <laughs> because it, it seemed like it had almost shrunken or it shrank because uh, kind of, and it also had kind of a weird rough textured surface. So, yeah, it clearly uh, was was the problem. So after I opened it, I knew that replacing the battery was going to make everything okay. So uh, at least it wasn't bloated, uh, you know, which is more dangerous. So. Yeah, and they got the old battery out of there, got the new one from iFixit in, and it, uh, you know, again, in the, actually, I think in the comment section of the iFixit repair guide, the, somebody mentioned making sure you align the battery in the uh, case first before you just, uh, before you stick it down uh, to make sure that the, the ribbon cable connector connects uh, to the battery uh, port on the, on the motherboard. So that was definitely good advice uh, because you don't want to have to maneuver around those little ribbon cables. They're so easy to snap, uh, apparently. I've never snapped one, but uh, yeah, they look and feel very fragile. So uh, that was good advice. So I plugged in the cable first and then seated the battery in to make sure it was in the right spot. So, And the battery came with the new adhesive strips already installed on the bottom of it, which is really nice. Uh, yeah, so that was really, uh, it was really easy overall. It was just super easy. Uh, definitely something I would do again. Uh, and I know people who have iPhones that could potentially use a new battery, so I wouldn't be afraid of doing this. I think it took me about, 
uh, 45 minutes total uh, to do this. Uh, again, the adhesive was slightly older, so maybe it was a little easier to get off. I think maybe on a newer iPhone it might be a little more difficult. But in that case, I think I would just heat it up just a little bit uh, before I started to do any of this stuff. So, And I kind of wonder uh, about these battery adhesive strips that iPhone or Apple uses on the bottom of these batteries. I don't see those in any other phones. And I kind of was thinking... What if, because you can buy them separately for a few dollars, and I kind of thought this they might actually be useful on other phone batteries, not just Apple phones. I know, like uh, the the Android phones that I've repaired in the past or replaced the battery on, especially on the G6 and, and other devices, it might be actually useful. I, I wonder if you could use those on the bottom of those batteries. I know they're specifically sized for the iPhone battery, which is a really elongated, but if you cut it down, I wonder if you'd be able to wrap those strips around the edge of the battery, uh, the part where you grab onto after you install it. So the thing is, is I wasn't able to find anybody who's actually brought up this idea online. I mean, maybe it is somewhere online, uh, somebody who has tried this uh, using these adhesive strips on another battery uh, other than an iPhone. So. Uh, just something I was like thinking about that it might actually make it a lot easier uh, to do that on an Android battery as well uh, for future removal but I don't know if there's some sort of caveat to that as far as not you know the they're not sticky enough or you know that type of thing but uh, either way just a thought that I had um, I'm gonna look more into that as well but uh, uh, as far as the iPhones go uh, they're both up and running now. They're both <laughs> mine, and I've, uh, I'm running the iPhone 6S battery all the way down because I'm trying to do the calibration that they suggest on the website, which is actually kind of conflicting with what it says on the, the box that the battery came in. box battery came in, I think it says run it down to 10% and then charge it all the way up. But on the website, it's very much, uh, very much more specific uh, about how you should calibrate the battery as far as uh, it's I think it says that you charge the battery all the way up uh, to 100% as soon as it's installed and then leave it charging for two hours and then run it all the way down until the phone shuts off uh, because it's out of juice uh, and then charge it all the way back up to 100% uninterrupted uh, which is kind of not what it says on the box which is run the phone initially down to 10% and then just charge it all the way up to 100% so it's a little more involved and uh, I actually did order a new battery as well for my dad's phone this week he has a Galaxy J3 I forget what variant of the J3 it is uh, Samsung but uh, I sent him those same instructions to follow because I feel like that uh, that just feels like a better method the one that they post on the website rather than the one that's on the box but either way uh, they're both up and running uh, like I said I'm, at some point I may put my sim into the iPhone 6s again uh, and maybe try and use it as a daily driver. I had used it a little bit after I got the battery up and running, and uh, you know the battery life isn't the greatest on it. Uh, the iPhone battery life has gotten better in the latest iterations of the iPhone, but the 6s is not, uh, you know, it's not known for its exquisite battery life. So, uh, but it is working. The battery is at least working, uh, and I did leave it on my bedstand overnight, and it only dropped three percent. So that's pretty good. Uh, as far as that goes and I've got it set up syncing all my email and stuff like that so it's not like it's that completely dormant but uh, either way I did forget to mention that I did get cases for these iPhones uh, something that I kind of did actually fairly uh, 
after or I should say right after I got the iPhones, uh, I did look into getting some cases for them. So for the 4S, I did get the uh, Amzer Smoke Wave TPU case, and I'll put links to all these cases in the show notes. Uh, this Amzer one, honestly, I wouldn't suggest it. It's a, it's a nice TPU kind of transparent smoke-colored case but uh, it doesn't quite fit very nicely and it is for the 4s it's got all the cutouts uh, with the cutout even the the cutout for the for the uh, the little switch on the side for silent mode uh, it doesn't quite line up uh, and there's everything on the listing indicates that it's for the 4s but uh, I'm not 100% sure uh, if that's <laughs> actually true or not but uh, either way that's uh, the Amzer one you know and honestly Amzer I, I they're not my favorite brand. I've tried them in the past. I had one, I think, for the Lumia 640 as well, when, back when I was actually using it. Uh, and it wasn't the best K uh, TPU case in the world, but uh, it'll do the job. It's going to do the trick for this 4S. I'm not worried about getting another case for it or anything. It's covering it just fine. So uh, for the iPhone 6S, I got the Tumi Coated Canvas Gray case. Uh, gray colored so it's basically a canvas type case on the back uh, most of the case is actually kind of a more rigid tpu case and then they uh, kind of inlaid canvas on the back of it and then coated that canvas so it's sort of like a waterproof type canvas i think it looks really nice i like a canvas types case i definitely like the the look of those pixel cases for the the google pixel phones uh, that go on there the ones that are sort of more textured and canvassy uh, more like a, a cloth finish, two of them. But uh, this one, like I said, this one's coated for the iPhone 6. Uh, it's really nice. It fits it just right and uh, definitely nailed it on the first try as far as getting a case for that one. So uh, the, the, the the thing is, is that when I was looking at ordering these cases on uh, eBay, I accidentally ordered the first time because I saw a better price. I ordered that to me case, but it turned out it was for the iPhone 6s Plus, so the bigger version of the 6s, uh, and but it was only about eight dollars, uh, luckily. But it means that I have this 6s Plus case on hand, and I don't really want to return it because it was only eight dollars, and I'm pretty sure I got to pay the return shipping because it was an accident. Uh, but uh, if anybody here in the U.S. has an iPhone 6S Plus that they need a case for, uh, for the cost of shipping, I'll just send it out to you. So get in contact with me uh, at pixelsome.com if you are interested in that Tumi case uh, for the 6S Plus model. So anyway, that's it for the iPhones this week. Like I said, they're up and running. Uh, at some point, maybe they'll become, you know, the 6S will become, uh, I'll try that out as a daily driver for a little bit. But uh we shall see. All right, so the last bit of the show here, uh, I kind of alluded to it earlier, is that I am starting looking, or I started already looking for a new phone. Uh, this is something that I haven't done intensively uh, since I got the G6, so I have looked at other devices, but never really kind of this seriously, quote-unquote. Uh, so I just wanted to go over the models that I have on my list so far and kind of why they're on the list. So the first one is the Moto E5 Plus. <laughs> so this one might be kind of a surprise. I haven't really talked about this one a ton, uh, but I do kind of have an interest in it because really what I've been noticing is that I listen to podcasts throughout the day and I listen to them through my phone speaker 
Uh, so that's how I do it. If that's not how you do it, that's fine. <laughs> if you use Bluetooth or headphones or other speaker, uh, other speaker setups, that's fine. But I like to listen to them through my phone so I can carry the phone around the house. And also it's just super easy uh, for me. So I like a good speaker. Uh, but the speaker, uh, surprisingly, on most devices that I have, uh, this, using the speaker all day, actually runs through the battery very quickly. So the, the I would say about halfway through the day, I'm at about 50%. And so essentially, I end up having to charge my devices. Now, the, the LG G6 uh, runs out of battery a lot quicker. The, the speaker on that one's really good. Uh, the Moto X4 does last a little bit longer, but I do end up still having to charge it at some point during the day. Now, I, I probably could have just set up my uh, Qi wireless charging pad for the LG G6 and just set it on there while I'm at my desk. But uh, again, I haven't really been using the LG G6 too much and uh, the Moto X4 does not have Qi charging. So it's just one of those things where I think my main use case right now for the battery, uh, for this E5 Plus is the fact that it has a 5,000 milliamp hour battery. Now the giving up a lot is by way of the camera here and uh, the specs and etc uh, it's it's kind of you know moto's low-end device so are one of the low-end devices uh, but it is a bigger device as well uh, but the battery life is uh, kind of what draws me into that the most because it will sip on the battery because it is a, a 400 series processor snapdragon 400 series and then the display is 720p and yeah, it's just, uh, I had the Moto E4 Plus in the past, and that thing would run all day for multiple days <laughs> if I wanted to, to use it. And the speakers on these Moto devices has been uh, very good, actually. So I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not worried about the speaker quality. It might not be as loud, maybe, as the Moto X4, but uh, it's, it's on my radar uh, also because I can find it for pretty cheap. We're talking like under $100, so... Uh, not a bad option <laughs> just for that, maybe, uh, even if I just used it as a podcasting or, you know, listening device. But either way, Moto E5 Plus is the first on my list. The next one is the uh, one uh, that's kind of a pun. It's the Motorola One Action. Uh, so this is uh, one of Motorola's newer Motorola One devices that they've been coming out with. And uh, it's the thing that draws me into this. The biggest thing about this device is that it does have sort of a GoPro action cam on the back of it, which is like a wide angle video camera. And uh, the the interesting thing about that is that it has, uh, well, a couple of interesting things is it has uh, really good stabilization on that camera. And also uh, to record, they mounted the action camera on the back of the Moto One action uh, 90 degrees. So essentially, you can record a widescreen video up to 21 by 9 uh, in a portrait uh, orientation on the phone. So you can hold the phone in portrait orientation uh, like you would normally hold the phone to do anything else uh, to record the video. So it's easier to grip onto. I think they did this because uh, you know, it's easier to grip, and because it is an action cam, you probably will be moving <laughs> while you use the the camera, or at least this action cam on the back. So, uh, it, some people, uh, reviews that I've seen talking about this are not too psyched about that. They're not too jazzed up about <laughs> having to record in portrait mode to record a landscape video, but to me, I think it actually makes a lot of sense, and the stabilization and the video samples that I've seen 
from that action camera are actually very good. So the one thing about this device is it does have a 3,500 milliamp hour battery and uh, it runs a Snapdragon, I think 660 or 600 series, I forget which one. But uh, either way, it uh, might not be the biggest battery in the world, uh, but it could get me a little bit longer through the day. Uh, kind of batteries kind of up there on my list as far as these devices go. Uh, but the Motorola One Action and the price is good on the Motorola One Action. So uh, I think right now, and there's a sale right now on uh, most Motorola devices uh, where the, the this one's actually $100 off. So it's a two, four, $249 right now, which is it's kind of tempting to, to try that out. But uh, yeah, the Motorola One Action's on the list. The next one, uh, actually these next two are kind of... Uh, looking at both of these but uh, as kind of a similar device uh, and I'll explain why in a second but the Motorola One Zoom uh, which is a device that has been covered on uh, PSC I know Ted had that phone in and uh, did a nice review of that uh, phone but uh, yeah that one's obvious there's a big camera module on the back that does a lot of different things uh, four different cameras I think on the back of it uh, so a lot of options there with the wide angle and all that stuff so uh, the, yeah, the Motorola One Zoom, and it's got a 4,000 milliamp hour battery, uh, which is nice. Uh, the one thing about it is it does have an in-screen fingerprint sensor, which isn't a deal breaker necessarily, but something that I wouldn't uh, you know, prefer if I can avoid it. Uh, the Motorola One Action does have a fingerprint reader on the back, uh, dedicated capacitive one. But uh, either way, the Motorola One Zoom. And then the next on the list is the Nokia 7.2 which uh, has four cameras on the back as well. And it's kind of the only Nokia that I've looked at recently uh, that has a similar setup as the Motorola One Zoom. The only difference is, is that they don't have any OIS on, I think, the main camera sensor. So the One Zoom does have an OIS on the main sensor. I think the 48 megapixel sensor that every phone has seems to have these days, uh, that Sony sensor. But uh, the Nokia 7.2 does not have any image stabilization. Uh, I think it might have electronic Im image stabilization. But uh, yeah, the Nokia 7.2 to me lo is, looks like a really nice device, but uh, does uh, kind of waver as far as the stabilization goes. And then the battery is a little bit smaller than the one zoom as well uh, with the 3500 milliamp hour battery in the 7.2. So uh, yeah, let's, okay, so, so far I've got the Moto E5 Plus, the Motorola One Action, the Motorola One Zoom, the uh, Nokia 7.2. Uh, so the next on my list uh, is, is my LG <laughs> lineup that I'm looking at uh, as a potential phone to get next. Uh, and then the first one is the LG V30. Uh, this is one that has been suggested by Simon Nobbs in the past and that I have looked at in the past, uh, especially these days. It's super cheap. Uh, it's kind of an, it's only slightly bigger than the LG G6. I found, I actually looked into that today, the phone size comparison between the V30 and the G6. It's not much bigger uh, as far as the footprint goes, but uh, the V30's got the nice setup. Basically, basically it is a bigger G6 uh, overall, but uh, it does have the Snapdragon 835 processor versus the 821 and the G6, which is kind of my main draw to the V30. The V30, honestly, uh, it would be probably a pretty good buy because I can get it. I think there's a listing on eBay of one that's practically brand new. Uh, it's a T-Mobile only variant, but uh, for me, that'll work. Uh, it's for $119 and it looks 
practically brand new. Uh, I think they've, somebody's got a lot of these things and they are in like new condition. So that one's very tempting as well. Uh, and the, you know, that would be kind of sticking with the, the LG V30, uh, the, as far as the experience goes, very similar to the G6 that I have now. And I did actually look up the LG V30 on T-Mobile's website to see what software they're supporting. And it looks like in October, they released Android Pie for the LG V30, which is pretty cool, uh, especially because they, I don't think they have any plans to release Android Pie for the LG G6, uh, they're the T-Mobile variant of it anyway. I've actually uh, seen other people who have the G6 who have been getting the Pi update, but uh, the T-Mobile variant, I think, is going to be left behind on uh, Oreo. So um, that's that's too bad. But either way, the V30, definitely up on the list for price and uh, usability as far as uh, the camera goes. Uh, not getting... You know, it's going to be, it would be an easy transition to go from the G6 to the V30, uh, but with a better processor. So uh, with that said, I do have the G7 and the G8 on my list as well here. Those are the last two kind of rounding out what I've got so far. Uh, those are kind of obvious uh, upgrades from the LG G6 uh, with as far as software goes and then the cameras being uh, pretty similar. Uh, Price-wise, they're not uh, too too close right now the g7 you can get it i can get at a good price say 150 to 175 dollars ish for the g7 uh, and, and you know practically brand new that one comes with 64 gigabytes onboard storage which will work but then there's the lg g8 which uh, came out you know it's the the latest g g series phone from lg uh that one's got uh it's around 400 dollars right now so that that's a big jump up in price uh so that's kind of what makes me hesitate with that one the most right now. Uh, but it does have an AMOLED display. It uh, has a bigger battery than the G7. It's kind of, strangely enough, the G7 has a 3,000 mAh battery, uh, which is down from the G6 battery and down from the G8 battery. So I'm not 100% sure why <laughs> they went down with the battery size on the G7. But uh, either way, the G8 is a good device, uh, good a good option on this list, uh, but like I said, I think it's the most expensive one on my list. Uh, the Motorola One Zoom, I think, is four hundred dollars, four fifty, something around there. Uh, but it, like I said, there is a sale going on with Motorola right now. I think you can get it for three forty nine, which again is tempting, but again, still at the high end of of things. So, I think honestly, right now the V thirty or the G7 are probably at the top of my list because those are the, the best value uh, with good cameras on them. Uh, now, the battery life on those is a different story. Like I said, the battery life does make a difference to me. <laughs> so uh, I do use the, like I said, the speaker will drain quite a bit of the battery throughout the day. So the Moto, I'm not ruling out that Moto E5 Plus. So uh, potentially something that I could do is get the Moto E5 Plus and use it with my sim and then when I need a camera say for work or something like that uh, with the video stabilization I can just you know pull out my old g6 and use uh, use it for that so uh, that's an option as well but I really hate to to have to use two devices or you know when I go in I kind of like to keep things as minimal as possible as far as that goes but yeah, so those are the devices on my list right now. The Moto E5 Plus, the Motorola One Action, the Motorola One Zoom, 
the Nokia 7.2, the LG V30, the LG G7, and the LG G8. So a lot of, a lot of options there. <laughs> Who knows, I may add to that list here uh, soon. But uh, I am intrigued by the Nokia 7.2 uh, because I haven't tried out a Nokia Android device. And uh, that would be, you know, I think that's the main thing drawing me to it right now. And there is a cool kind of green color uh, with that one as well. Uh, the price on that one isn't the lowest either. I think it's $349. Uh, but the, you know, the camera on the back of that might be kind of interesting. Again, no stabilization. And I can get the Nokia 7.2 at Best Buy as well. They do have that in stock locally here which is always tempting uh, when I look on, on Best Buy's website because that's the closest place really that I can get any sort of variety of, of phones. So uh, when it's in stock locally and you know could potentially walk out the door right now and go buy it, it's always tempting. But try not to make that the, uh, the deciding factor here. But uh, yeah, so if, uh, any suggestions outside of that? I, I know I've talked about the Galaxy S10e in the past. I don't know that that's on my list. I don't know if I want to go with a Samsung device uh, just because of the software. Uh, I haven't used a modern Samsung device, so it could potentially not be an issue. But uh, yeah, just uh, let me know if any of these on the list are or, you know, if you have anything to, to chip in about those, the pros and cons of that stuff, or add another device to the list, that kind of thing. So uh, that's always appreciated. And, uh, yeah, hopefully this new phone search, hopefully I won't drive myself too mad <laughs> watching videos and, and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, anyway. All right, so let's wrap things up here on episode 92 of the Pixel Swim podcast. Uh, if you want to leave any feedback, head over to pixelswim.com and uh, there's a show notes page with the comment section or uh, any social links. Uh, MeWe seems to be the, mo the most popular place to leave feedback, so that's always appreciated. So tune in next week when hopefully I'll have narrowed down my list and not uh, actually added to it. And, uh, you know, honestly, it doesn't uh, give me a whole ton of pleasure to have to look for another device, uh, but uh that's just kind of how things are. I think that's why I settled in with the LG G6 for so long is because I didn't really enjoy the process of having to find something else. But uh, who knows? Maybe things will be different this time. But either way, next week, hopefully, I'll, I'll have that narrowed down. Uh, but either way, tune in for episode 93 next week. And have a great afternoon or evening or middle of the night or middle of the morning or middle of the whatever time it is when you're listening to this. So thanks again, and Godspeed. <laughs>